0: If I could talk to a younger Josh, I would tell him, I'm so sorry for the bottom of my heart, for all the pain and suffering you feel. I need you to know that your life is meaningful and deserve a place in this world. Your life is worth fighting for. Just take it one day at a time. It's okay to cry. It's normal to have mixed emotions. It's okay to be upset. You're not alone. Yes, your experiences are so unique that they set you apart from everyone else, but don't compare yourself to others. Talking about the pain is one of the first steps towards healing. Your feeling of isolation and sadness is not something that you should fight alone. Help is available and it's worth every teardrop associated with it. I love you and you are loved. And before I forget, it's okay to be different To be human in your own way, aside from social constructs. Hey, admirers. You're now listening to the Admirers Conversations from the Healing Hearts podcast, a show about self care, healing, and the topics regarding mental health because it's okay to not be okay most of the time. My name is Joshua Dixon, and I'm the founder and designer of Admirerware. I'm just a hurt person that uses my tears from my pains to help heal others. Together, we can find purpose in fighting for tomorrow's light. Note that this is a safe place where each episode we will be talking about certain topics that are often hard to discuss, such as depression, anxiety, ableism, self-harm, suicide, addiction, healing, hope, and the help that is available to us. I will be sharing stories, poems, and self-care guides to help in our journey together towards healing, recovery, and obtaining hope for tomorrow. A lovely admirer on Instagram asked me a question via my Instagram story. How did you find acceptance? I almost OD'd and then two days later my ex cheated on me. First. I am glad to hear that you're still here with us. That you're still trying. I even checked out your page a little bit. And I'm sorry for what you're going through, feeling like no one accepts you, that no one loves you, that you feel like you necessarily don't belong because you don't have a place that represents who you are and who you strive to be. Finding acceptance is hard, and it starts actually really young, is whether we are accepted by our loved ones who took care of us, our parents, and our family that we are around. Acceptance for me was hard. Um, I was a weird child from the start. Um, I was really creative, very um, curious at... I asked a lot of questions all the time, asking about space, asking about monkeys, asking about religion, about God, asking about trains and how do trains work, how do cars work? What is that? What is, is that an engine part? Like how do engines work? I was really, really curious. And my mom has said as a when I was younger, she always knew that I was a lot different than my brother, that I was gonna be unique in my own way. I even stood out in school. But also I stood out in my environment way before the accident. I spent a lot of times even back then alone, actually. Um I lived in a basement with my mom and my dad. My mom and my dad lived in the basement. They had their own rooms. I had my own room as well. I don't know who choice it was to have me sleep in the basement and live in the basement, but that was just the thing. And There was many, many days where I wasn't able to really go upstairs and interact with the older kids because the older kids would, like, beat me up too much. And so I spent a lot of time with myself in the basement and and my brother would always, you know, just hit, would always, like, hit me upside the head or be like, hey, you stupid. (laughs) And even now, like, that's funny, but back then I found it, like, to be a little hurtful because it was, like, a lot of our interactions were him being pretty pretty mean as a big brother. And then um, my mom and my dad would start to have disagreements. And he'd be like, I I wouldn't be here in this situation if it wasn't for Josh, if it wasn't for Josh being born. If you didn't make me have kids, then uh, we wouldn't have to deal with each other. We wouldn't be in this conflict. We wouldn't be in this problem. And so I felt like I Didn't have any sort of worth to hold on to. I was really just sad because I felt like my dad, even at a young age, had already just set his minds on that he was going to abandon me when I turned 20, when I turned 18. And so I was just like, dang, Like clock's ticking and I guess I'm not doing good enough for him to accept me. I worked my ass off. I worked really hard and I pushed myself to definitely beyond my own mental and physical capacity just to impress him. And it started with there, and when I had the accident, I felt like I left so many people down. I never knew what it was at that time as an eight-year-old, what it's like to sit at a table and no one wants you there. I hadn't went through that yet. I was getting bullied in elementary school, but I didn't know what that feeling was like yet to to be abandoned by people who actually used to adore you. And having the accident changed, not only changed my life, but it it definitely changed how I felt and how I worked, like how I saw myself as worth. I mean, there's many days my mom may not talk about, but... Where I sat in a hospital room and I was angry. I was angry as fuck because the love that I thought that was there, that life guarantees, just didn't exist. So many people looking at me the wrong way and judging me or holding their kid in terms of fear. I mean, like grown adults holding their kids to their side as if I'm a sort of, sort of criminal. I'm just an eight year old with tubes and metal device, medical devices hanging out of me. And I mean, I don't even, <laughs> I wasn't even in the greatest shape either. Not even considered stable per se, but I, I, I tried. I was literally trying and it frustrated me, made me so angry. If for family members who, who didn't know what I looked like or didn't, didn't see me, while I was in a coma, they saw me while I was conscious and I had remembered, I had given my memory back. They were like, they would just make this face. She's just, ugh. Just. My mom would talk about how we can't go to certain places because people may, uh, people have even made some comments and that she's disapproved of that and she's very, very mama bear and she wants to hurt the people who said bad things about me. And I I understood I understood that she was protecting me. And I understood that she was doing what was in my best interest. And she tried her best to prepare me for a world that I don't think no mother can really prepare their kid for 100%. But they do their best to at least try and to give you all the resources they can provide. And she did exactly that. I didn't accept my face. I didn't accept what I went through. For a long time I bullied myself I bullied like I was just I was blaming myself for everything like all of the problems that we were having the stitches the pains the hundreds of stitches the the staples the time that I almost bled out in the hospital bed and they had to like put staples in me that there wasn't enough time for them to put me to sleep. And so they had to like put staples like freshly in me, no pain medicine, just taking it. And I was just like angry. I was like, I hate this. I I I can't live. I can't live like this. Everyone's like, it's going to be okay. It's going to get better. And I was like, I look ugly. I look like a monster, this kid. And I, and I didn't know that I looked this way until a kid called me that. Saying, oh my god, he looks like a monster from Monster Incorporated. And I saw myself as that, like from the moment on. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, You look hideous. Like, that's what I told myself. So, not only that, I wasn't getting accepted by others, but I wasn't getting accepted by myself. I wasn't giving myself any sort of respect for what I had been through. And that. Everything was outside of my control. I can't control how people are. You cannot control how people react to you. All you can do is do the best that you can for yourself and control how you are in settings that may make you uncomfortable. Um, I remember this one time, distinctly in high school. Um, I was homeschooled for five years after the accident. I wasn't allowed to go back to school until high school is when they considered me to be able to go to school with um, what they considered mature people who can treat my condition a lot better than an elementary school student, but they were wrong. And I remember in my first week there, I was going through Freshman haze Week and before Freshman haze Week, people were like, oh, yeah, we're going to protect them and it's going to be safe and everything. But. Freshman Hayes week was pure hell. Um, let's not mention that every time I sat down at a table full of kids who I was just in class with, they would get up and move. What if I sat at their table? They only, um, every table somehow was occupied and didn't have any space for me. And there would be some moments where I just sat there without talking to people, just to, like just so they won't notice that I existed. And I'll sit there and try to eat in peace. And um, there was was one time that someone took my milk and poured it all over my tray. Uh, My tray of food told me to eat that. You dog face. And I remember I wanted to, like, punch that person so bad. I was so angry. I was so upset and yet so sad because at that point I had spent Six years of my life, wanting to be normal, wanting to be normal in this world, to be treated normal, to to be seen as human, to not be seen as a threat, to be seen as a friend and a loving person, rather than seeing as as this this tall kid with a disfigurement and apparently a menace to society. I felt like a minority within a minority group. I felt like I was like I'm a a black African American male, which is we are minorities. And being a disabled black African American male within that already minority group. And already being seen as less than even by my own peers that share the same skin as me, that know what it's like to be judged based off of your skin that have prejudices based off of your skin color, but now I have this additional prejudice off of how I looked, how my face looked, or how I acted, or these scars, these bandages, this ointment that I have to put in, the way my eye looks, my left eye, and having people put uh, additional precedence on top of that, even assuming that my intellect, that my Intelligence weren't wasn't even fully like i guess um like in in layman's terms just saying that I'm not smart that I'm dumb because of the way that I looked that I'm just a dummy head or some zombie monster that should have got should have got killed and that's words that an adult has told me when I was about sixteen years old um walking down downtown Chicago. But when I kid this spilled that milk all over my plate, I decided that I was just gonna eat. And uh, after that day, I was gonna just sit in the corner and just eat my food there, even if I had to sit on the floor. Um, and I felt humiliated. <laughs> I felt like I had no place that accepted me for who I was outside of my mom and some distant family. It was definitely a challenge to navigate the world, knowing that a lot of people misunderstood me. I had my first suicide attempt at 16. I wrote a suicide letter about people hating me and just kind of not being welcomed in this world. Like, I'm not a harmful person. I'm not trying to do anything to hurt anyone but I just got this. Just, just like I guess, target on my head. I wrote this story on the admirer blog, and it's it's about how my mom and art saved my life. I'm gonna read this for you guys. I wrote this blog post February second, two thousand and twenty-two. My mom and art saved my life from suicide. When I was 16, I wrote my first suicide letter, besides leaving it for my mother in a more private way. I posted it on Facebook for my whole family and the world to take in. I felt hopeless. I felt like I wasn't meant for this life. I wanted help, but I didn't know what help looked like or, or felt like. I felt lost. This is an excerpt from my October 7th, 2015 suicide letter. I shut the world out of my life and every second I live a miserable life. I wish every day I died in my sleep or that I died and be away from this pain. I'm still here because God keeps me here alive. God made me look like a monster, I don't know why. I wake up every single day feeling like shit and not and knowing that everyone hates me that the world hates me that i go to school every day being hated and judged and it's torture being me sucks i'm gonna look at this no i'm gonna look like this and be discriminated against for the rest of my life forever i am alone in this world I am all alone. And I'm in this by myself and on my own. I questioned God, myself, society. And I felt like there was no place I belonged. I told my mother that I was a burden to her and myself because of my face and my consistent and my constant surgeries. I was bullied in high school and bullied in every day, bullied by everyday bystanders in public. I just couldn't handle the pressure anymore. It was all too much for me and I didn't have any plan for my death But I knew that I was going to disappear and never appear again. Excerpt from October 7th, 2015 letter. I don't want to be here under my mom forever. I'm Joshua and I have a life of my own and I should be on my own besides being protected wherever I go. I get so many evil looks a day. I want to I want to die and don't regret anything. I'm scared of growing up and not living my dreams or having kids. If I ever have kids, they're going to be scared of me once they're about two years old or older because of the way that I look. I don't want to put them or me through that pain. I was scared. I didn't want to die, but I didn't want to deal with that pain anymore. I would sit in the back of class in high school wearing a hoodie with hood up over my head, with my head always facing downward, hoping people forgot I existed. I avoided almost all social events and I ate most of most of lunches in the nurse' office to be free of judgment to be this kid who had surgeries, who struggled with breathing and having a normal life, who was bullied by people that he trusted, like his father, who decided to leave my family during the same period as the letter. My father tortured my mother and me mentally spiritually and sometimes physically. It tore us down and it made me feel like it was all my fault. I would create Photoshop art in my room at night in the corner of my room on the floor with my favorite pair of red and black Bluetooth headphones, sometimes listening to Never Be Alone by Shawn Mendes or Life is Worth Living by Justin Bieber. Those headphones would somewhat block out the noise of my parents arguing or my dad belittling me through the walls. Creating art in that manner was magical. I felt like I had this tiny bubble of protection. Like I had made this world where I could cry, scream, heal, be angry, be happy, to feel purposeful. A place I felt heard and belonged to. I kept my digital artist secret for months because it kept me from my thoughts of committing suicide. My mother was a hardworking woman and she didn't know about me publicly posting my letter into today's day's letter. I remember she ran into my room at 3 a.m. asking me. Why didn't you tell me you felt this way? Speak to me, Joshua. I won't let you feel this way alone. I just sat there crying, screaming. I don't want this life anymore, Ma." She gave me a hug. She said, I'm sorry for not for not being here. I'm here now, and I want to help you or take you, take you to go talk with someone that can help you. I know your life is so hard, baby boy. I'm sorry, and I wish I could take that pain from you. Don't do it. God gave you a purpose. She forced me to go to counseling the very next week. It was hard at first, as I wouldn't open up to the counselor. I told the counselor that I was permanently broken and damaged. I sat there mostly in silence in my first session as my mom confessed my entire life to this woman. She even shared my letter with her. But this stranger truly cared about me and wanted me to reach out out my hand for help when I was ready. Hey everyone, I just wanted to take this quick pause to tell you guys about AdmireWare and its journey. AdmireWare is a love-based lifestyle brand and community that focuses on mental health awareness and suicide prevention. It's a place where you can feel safe. The founder, which is me, Joshua Dixon, I built this brand after my second suicide attempt. I wanted to show people how to love and how to admire themselves. I want to create something to create products for people. Something that can hug them on days where they don't love themselves. On days where they may not have hope. And chapter part of their stories or part of their chapters where they feel like they don't belong in this world. Because I know that all too well. I know what it's like to live each and every day in misery and to feel like you're just existing in this world but not even being alive. I want to help people not feel alone anymore. I want to help save lives and end the stigma regarding mental health. I want to be able to create conversations that we're not having enough of. And here at Admire, where I fight for that change each and every day through the different ways that we that I impact this world. Not only by cre- creating this podcast, but also the thousands of products that I've shipped worldwide to admirers home. People like me who are also struggling or supporting someone who's struggling. We all can learn from each other and we can't live without each other. We need that community support and belongingness. We need you here. And if you want to learn more about Admirer's journey and my story, you can go to Admirer.com or the links in the description to learn more about us and Shop our products and our T-shirts that not only give back to your journey, that provide such a meaningful impact to your life, to let you know that your story is far from over. But it all—I also donate 15% of all of my proceeds to mental health charities to help them help save lives like mine. and yours. Let's get back to it. The second meeting was a one-on-one session with my mom being present. The counselor said nothing but, st- but started by giving me a hug. She said, it's okay. I see you're hurting. We're thankful to have you here with us. And we want the best for you. I cried my ass off for at least 10 minutes straight. That hug broke me down then opened my wounds. I began talking about it. She listened to me without judgment, assured me that I was safe. After almost two years of seeing her, I learned about the power of affirmations, art therapy, deep breathing meditations, the causes of CPTSD, and possible ways to cope with the triggers, anger management, and how to check in daily with my own with my own mental wellness. There are so many more powerful resources that I carry with me today. Precisely six years later, but as I'm reading this out loud to you guys for the podcast is seven years. It continues with saying, I'm not perfect. I still struggle with depression, anxiety, CPTSD, suicidal thoughts. But identifying them and actively learning how to cope with them makes life fulfilling for me. Makes me excited to be here every day. I take it one day at a time and establish small daily goals that feel as powerful as big goals. I never thought that I would live to see 22. If I could talk to younger Josh, I would tell him, I'm so sorry for the bottom of my heart all the pain and suffering you feel. I need you to know that your life is meaningful and deserve a place in this world. Your life is worth fighting for. Just take it one day at a time. It's okay to cry. It's normal to have mixed emotions. It's okay to be upset. You're not alone. Yes, your experiences are so unique that they set you apart from everyone else but don't compare yourself to others. Talking about the pain is one of the 1st steps towards healing. Your feeling of isolation and sadness is not something that you should fight alone. Help is available, and it's worth every teardrop associated with it. I love you, and you're our love. And before I forget, it's okay to be different, to be human in your own way, aside from social constructs. And that's the end of my blog post on admirer.com and the Conversations from the Healing Hearts blog. But to continue from that note, it's okay to be different. To be judged. To be viewed differently because you're unique. Because you may not have the same upbringings as the next person or may not have the same emotional capacity or the same mental literacy as the next person doesn't mean you're less than of a person. You can fight addiction. You can fight self-harm. You can fight hating yourself. You can fight punching yourself. You can fight suicide. You can fight depression, but you have to have someone show you that it's worth fighting for. And I understand how difficult that can be. That's one thing that motivates me to be here every single day is because I know that what I do is helping one life out there, helping them accept themselves and understand that it's okay to be human, to be different, to be emotional, to define masculinity or to find femininity in their own way. To know that I don't have to fall in line with with everyone, with what they're doing, with what they think, with how, with how they live their life, because that doesn't make me happy. What makes me happy is following my own path. And if I get lost and if I get redirected, it's okay because I'm figuring it out. Finding self-acceptance was me getting tired of wanting to exist I didn't want to exist no more. I wanted to live. I realized in order for me to live life, I had to let go of the fact that a lot of people will not like me. I have over nearly 200,000 followers combined on both social media platforms for admirer and everything that I've done here over the past year that I've been heavy into social media. And I definitely, I came to the understanding that in order for me to get myself out there in front of that camera every single day, I had to understand that there's gonna be a lot of people that's gonna watch this video or watch this podcast and not like me, but it's okay. But that it's okay. I don't, I don't want everyone to like me. I care about that one person, though. I care about the person that sees beyond my scars, that my, beyond my flaws, sees beyond the pain that I scream and that I yell and the things that I've been through. Person that sees me for me. In order for me to find that, I had to see that in myself and realize that after, after everyone's gone, After I turn my phone off at night, so I don't read, so I'm not able to read comments that I'm not able to, to, to to connect with people. When I, when my mom goes downstairs to go to sleep, when my grandfather stops yelling and he goes to sleep, my puppy is asleep having her little puppy nightmares. And I wake her up from those, but when she's asleep peacefully, it's just me. It's just you that's laying there in that bed. I hold a pillow at night to comfort myself and I give myself affirmations because it's important to love yourself, to enact love to yourself before you enact love to someone else. I had to accept the fact that I may never look normal. I might never look normal in terms of society, but I'm normal for me. That the depression that I have, the sadness that I have, the tears that's going down my face right now as I'm saying this, it's normal for me. These videos that I put out, everything that I do, I love this. I love it and i accept it healing is feeling and accepting yourself and enacting self love to yourself isn't making isn't it isn't making the best version of who you are what it really is is loving yourself even the parts of yourself that wish you did you wasn't here the parts of yourself that are lonely, that are sad, that is af- that are afraid. It's loving that person. It's loving. It's ultimately loving the worst parts of yourself. And once you build that up, and you know that hey, though not everyone may like me, but I like myself, you will start to realize that you have worth. That. If By accepting yourself and accepting who you are and accepting the fact that you can change if you want to change and if you could be in an environment to change but not actually be in the perfect position to change currently. But once you accept the fact that like, hey, I can change, tomorrow's a new day, it's a different day, today's a different day than it was yesterday, my lungs are, I mean, my lungs are breathing and my heart's still beating, I can continue that I can do something different today than I didn't do yesterday. You build a sense of value of yourself, and you understand understand that you're worth more than what others have given you. You deserve love and compassion. You deserve acceptance, and acceptance will come. Do something that you love, something that you admire. Don't stop doing it, and I tell you that people that love and support you will follow that and will honor you for that and will cherish you, and you may have been a person like me or Anyone who has pushed someone away during rough times, if that person genuinely loves you, they'll be there. They'll be there when they know that you're ready for them to be there. God makes things happen in in mysterious ways. God will take people away from our lives or bring people back after a certain amount of time when they know we are ready for them to be in our presence and for them to be a part of the next chapter in our lives. Find someone who loves you even on your hardest day. If they can love you and can admire you even though you're struggling, that's someone who accepts you. That's someone who's willing to be there regardless of what you say. (laughs) That's a connection worth nurturing, but you have to also create that same space for yourself. If you're having a bad day, if you're struggling, if you're suicidal or if you're you relapsed and going back to the substance that you're abusing. It's up to you to make that choice, to stop, to get help, as help is available, to so give yourself grace, forgive yourself, humbleness. Because though you may not feel like you're doing great in life, you're doing the best that you can. And you're here today, you're listening to this. That's a start. Relapse happens. Accidents happen. Mistakes happen. But they're lessons. They're not failures. They're lessons. And accepting the lessons along the way when you fall down that cliff, remember how you fell and use that to climb back up. Use that lesson to help you climb back up. You're not alone in this. And trust me, I do believe that you will get through this. But don't give up. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on hope. Don't give up on who you are and who you want to be. If you strive to be better, then take it one day at a time. Self-acceptance is showing yourself unconditional love for your weaknesses, for your strengths, for your flaws, for the mistakes that you've made. It's showing all parts of you, love and compassion. That's acceptance. And that's also self-love. The final step in the sense of someone else is someone you will know if you can be around them and be yourself without feeling like you need to be in this persona or need to be in a certain character mode. You don't feel like you have to like act outside of who you are to be around this person. You know that person accepts you for who you are and you get to be yourself natural around them. And together you both will grow. develop and evolve doesn't mean you're going to be this way forever change is happening whether you like it or not and someone could build their environment for you to change but it's up to you ultimately at the end of the day to develop change with you being here i believe you believe in change and that i believe tomorrow brings change and together with pain and all we can get through this i forever admire you for everything that you do. And I don't want you to give up. Be nice to yourself. When you look in the mirror next time. Nude or not nude. I do it. I like to look at myself in the mirror. Without the shell of having clothes on. To really look at myself. And, and give myself love. And, and understand that like. Hey I'm a survivor of what I've been through. and I'm a, And I'm a survivor of life. And I accept how my body feels and how it's reacting. And I love that it's my vessel. I lost myself when I stopped being who I was and I stopped accepting me for me. I found myself through self-love and self-care and through self-acceptance. And then I was able to change and develop to become the idol that I envisioned for myself. I thank you so much for tuning in for this week's episode. I hope this episode starts a reminder that your story is far from over. That you have so much to give to this world, to this life. That a new chapter awaits you. I know that you're giving it your all. Please don't give up. If you are currently in crisis or know someone who's in crisis and you're struggling, know that help is available and that there's people out there that want to help you. You can go to admira.com A-D-M-I-R-E dot C-O-M. Go to the top and find our self-help page where there's a list of national mental health resources and people who are willing to help. And trust me, they really do care about helping saving lives like mine's and yours. I thank you again so much for being here. And I thank you again for giving it your all each and every day. Know that you're not alone in this journey. And that together, we can choose that love over fear. To get through our worries, to get through our pain. To live for today, but also to fight for tomorrow. Bye until next time.